New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Former guest and conflict resolution consultant, as well as author Deidre Combs, has made a strong but compelling statement about the current state of affairs. She says, we are in uncharted territory in terms of global population growth and ecosystem stress. She goes on to elaborate, it's easy to be terrified and disheartened if you pay a bit of attention to the daily news. We're currently in heightened conflict with our environments, with our existing political and organizational structures, and with each other," wrote Deidre Combs as part of her contribution in a book called Order of the Sacred Earth. I recently ran across a poem that helped give me an optimistic perspective on these threshold times. It's called what If This Darkness by Valerie Carr, she writes, What if this darkness is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb? What if our America is not dead, but a country that is waiting to be born? What if the story of America is one long labor what if all our grandfathers and grandmothers are standing behind us now, those who survived occupation and genocide, detentions and political assault? What if they are whispering in our ears, you are brave? What if this is our nation's greatest transition? What does a midwife tell us to do? Breathe, and then push. Today we'll be talking about breathing, pushing, community, and taking a vow for humanity and for the earth that is our mother with three guests, Father Matthew Fox, Skylar Wilson, and Jennifer Barrett Listug. Father Matthew Fox is a wisdom elder, a theologian, an Episcopal priest, and author of 35 books on spirituality and culture, including Original Blessing and Meister Eckhart, a mystic warrior for our times. Skylar Wilson is a rites of passage guide who has worked as a mentor for both teenagers and adults. As a relatively younger person in his 30s, 
He's been training leaders in gatherings of intergenerational mentoring and is the founder of Wild Awakenings, Wilderness Immersion Programs. Jennifer Barrett Listuck is in her late 20s and is a Rites of Passage guide who recently became a mother. She is the co-director of Wild Awakenings and also works in book publishing and as a writing coach for authors. All three of my guests are co-directors of the Order of the Sacred Earth and co-authors of the book, Order of the Sacred Earth, An Intergenerational Vision of Love and Action. Join us for the next hour as we explore a new vision of spiritual warriors, sacred community, and environmentalism with our guests, Father Matthew Fox, Skylar Wilson, and Jennifer Barrett Listug. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Welcome, the three of you. Thank you so much for being here today on New Dimensions. Thank you. Good to be Thank with you. you. Thanks, Justine. Thank you. Uh, I would like to start with, first of all, how did the three of you meet and start this wonderful mistress of uh, Order of the Sacred <laughs> Earth? Skylar? Well, um, I first met Matthew Fox through um, one of my professors at the California Institute of Integral Studies, Brian Swim, and he introduced us, and after not, not too much time, um, we started producing the Cosmic Mass together, and um, Jennifer was working at New World Library at the time, and she met Matthew, and then... That's a, that's a book, book publishing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Book, books. Right. And uh, and Jennifer came to the Cosmic Nest to volunteer, and it, after a couple of years of friendship, we fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt's been there the whole time, overseeing <laughs> yeah. this relationship. Right. Yeah. In fact, your your baby that was born how long ago? A year, exactly almost a year. year ago. A year ago, and his name is River Matthew. River Matthew, isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Cosmic Mass. Uh, Matthew, can you tell us a little bit, what is Cosmic Mass? Well, it's an effort to bring um, worship and ritual into the 21st century, into a postmodern time. So we use dance and um, DJs and VJs and, and elements of the rave culture um, and rap into uh, liturgy. And um, we've performed over 100 of these or celebrated them in North America in many circumstances and places. And um, they're very exciting. Again, they draw people of different generations, but certainly the young people are are leaders in it in many respects because they know these art forms, the DJing and the VJing, like, like we older ones don't. But it's about bringing the body back and bringing all the chakras back to worship. And Melodomi um, Somme, the African teacher, says there is no community without ritual. And I think a lot of our rituals in the West are dead and boring, and, uh, and they're in the head. And so the whole idea of bringing dance back as a way to worship is ancient and new at the same time. One of the things that I, I a phrase that popped for me in the book, uh, Order of the Sacred Earth, I, I, it was such a perfect description of this younger generation that you're talking about that 
you're working with in cosmic mass and knows all the technology of it and how to work with it. They're called digital natives. Ah, <laughs> that's the word. That's the word that they just have this uh, facility. I, I say that uh, younger people are born with a computer chip in their DNA or something <laughs> because it's so, it is native to their 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 whole being, and we can benefit from that greatly. Mm-hmm. So that's that's great. Why not use it to awaken the sacred, the sense of the sacred? Mm-hmm. And that's at the heart of what's needed today to save the earth and to, and to become human ourselves, because mm-hmm. we're pretty distant from our humanity at this stage. And that's part of the whole thing is that intergenerational, as you speak as an elder, Matthew, that you are bringing some part of yourself into this whole culture. And then, Skylar, you and Jennifer, as young people, are bringing something in. So that's the whole point. So I'd love for you to talk about why that you feel that is important. Mm-hmm. Well, my work um, with rites of passage often involves having an elder and then having youth and the the magic that can happen there i usually don't realize that i'm missing that i'm not m- missing the intergenerational piece until it's there and there's it's almost like um something just kind of coalesces in the moment and it feels like oh wow wholeness and i've often felt that um through matthew's mentorship and and others um that there's you know it's a an an intergenerational healing is really needed, and we not only need to um, to to want it to come towards our own selves and what we bring um, to the the community, but also to ask questions of each other and to to lean into where we're different, where we're similar, what what makes us human. Some of the larger questions, but also just the the basis of uh, of what we need in this moment to be human together. That reminds me, Skylar, when you were saying that, you know, in your work, you work with elders and and so forth. And and when you were very young, 13 years old, you had an experience with an elder. You were on a trip and and something occurred that Mm -hmm. was probably life-changing for you. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, quickly. Um, I was lost in the wilderness after I was out there about a month with a group traveling through Ontario and, um, and I got lost. I got turned around. I, I left to go look at a trapper's cabin, an old trapper's cabin. And, um, I was lost for a day and it was terrifying. And it was, it was a rite of passage for me. My parents had recently gotten divorced and all of that came up within this, um, the edge of, uh, of, of seeing the possibility of death for the first time in a conscious way. And then getting, being found, um, I came back and I remember going out on the lake that night and just processing what had happened and started to cry and let it out and, um, and ask some of the deeper questions of what's my purpose? Why am I here? 
So that was the first time I can remember asking those questions in a really conscious way. And then I saw a shooting star and just felt this sense of connection to something larger. And, and that's really informed, informed me in my, in my work ever since. So thank you for sharing that story. And Jennifer, you also have a story that I love that I've heard you talk about at a book signing. And, and it, um, it's about the birth of your son, but as talking about it in the context of what we're birthing in a bigger way right now in our culture, I'd love for you to share that. Yeah, I'd love to share that story. I can't uh, talk about it enough. It was such an amazing experience. It was almost a year ago. Um, he was born on September 2nd, which those of you in the Bay Area probably remember was during that insane heat wave. It was 115 degrees the day he was born. And we had chosen to do a home birth. So I was at home with no air conditioning, <laughs> a little fan unit. And it was traumatizing. I, everyone told me who I had talked to before, oh, yeah, giving birth is the hardest thing you'll ever do. And I didn't understand it until I was in it. It was so painful and it was so difficult. So I was in 18-hour labor. I'd been in labor for already 15 hours and had been pushing for almost three hours, which is pretty long. And something that I wasn't expecting at all was I would push. I would have a really intense contraction. My whole body would be in pain, and I would push, and his head would start to come out, and then it would go back in. And then the next contraction would come, and I'd push, and he'd start coming out, and then he would go back in. And so it was this, like, expansion, contraction, moving forward and moving backward. And it was, um, I thought it w I couldn't do it. I was ready to give up. Hold that for mm -hmm. just one moment because I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Matthew Fox, Skylar Wilson, and Jennifer Barrett Listug, co-authors of Order of the Sacred Earth, an intergenerational vision of love in action. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with three guests. Uh, they're the co-authors and co-founders of Order of the Sacred Earth. And the subtitle of the book is An Intergenerational Vision of Love and Action. And if you want to know more about this work that they're proposing and they're putting forth into culture, you can go to the website orderofthesacredearth.org. 
And right now, we have been talking to Jennifer about this very, very long labor, 18 hours and three hours of pushing. And so if I'd love for you to, to share now where you are with the pushing. Yeah, so I was done. I was ready to give up. And I remember, I don't remember much about that day, but I do remember saying at some point, whispering, so, so tired, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. And I had a midwife and she was so wonderful and so powerful and amazing. And she was holding me as was Skylar. And I would say, I can't do this. And she would say, no, you are doing it. You are doing it. You're doing it. And and then I would get some energy and I would push again. And then she started putting her fingers right where River was coming out, where my son was coming out. And she would say, can you feel my fingers? And I'd say, yes. And she'd say, okay, push right here. And she was giving me some direction, somewhere that I could move toward and something I could focus on in this painful labor. And finally, at the very end, in one big push, he came out all at once. And there he was, right below me. I was on my hands and knees. And his eyes were open. And he was looking up at me. And I was thinking, okay, it was worth it. Because <laughs> here was this brand new, beautiful life, more amazing than I could have imagined. And, <laughs> and so in relationship to Order of the Sacred Earth, that's, that's kind of how I see what this new movement and community that's forming is. It's the midwife to this contraction phase that we're in um, collectively on the earth. We're in this painful two steps forward, one step back process. And we need a midwife saying, come this way. You're doing it. You're doing okay. And that's what we, we see this, um, the order being. So it's, and you use the word um, m moving toward something and focusing on something. And that's kind of the container that we're talking about in the order of the sacred earth. And Matthew, I would love for you to share a little bit about the dream that you had that then coincided with with both Jennifer and Skylar's dream? Well, my first um, intimation of the need for an order uh, came in a dream. And it woke me up at four in the morning with just a few words and capital letters and exclamation points, do it. <laughs> and the message from the dream was to start an order not a religious order, but a spiritual order, which makes it unique because we had this unique moment in history where so many spiritual traditions are, are, can learn from one another and work with one another. So this order would not be a religious order that is not beholden to one religious tradition, but would gather people from all traditions and none. In other words, atheists are welcome too. And what we would um, have in common is a a simple vow. I promise to be the best lover of earth and the best defender of earth that I can be. And um, I was in an order, a Dominican order for 34 years before the Vatican expelled me. And so I know something about orders also because I've studied them. And what I, I realized is that when religion goes downhill, as is doing a lot of these days, the crisis in the Roman Catholic Church is just one example, but also the crisis of um, dwindling numbers and young people all over is another example. But when things go down, often orders sprout up. This happened in the third century with the Desert Fathers and Mothers. It happened in the fifth and sixth century with St. Benedict and his sister Scholastica starting the Benedictine movement. In the 12th century, when that movement went kind of sour, 
you had, at the end of the century, St. Francis of Assisi starting the Franciscans and Dominic starting the Dominicans. And um, 16th century, had the Protestant Reformation, which I, I can look at as a series of lay orders, uh, each of the denominations, and then the, the Jesuits, Ignatius in the 16th century. All this response to negativity going on in religion. So I look around today, and, and all I see is a lot of people leaving church, but I don't see anything fresh happening. And uh, we don't have, time's running out for our species. Uh, uh, we don't need, there's no time for new religion. There's no time uh, even to reform our old religions. What we need, but orders are much more flexible. And this particular order is very focused. It's on the sacredness of the earth. And what are we going to do to to work together to make things happen? And um, so I, I shared my dream with Skylar, and it turned out he had a dream also right around that time. Skylar, you did pick that up. What was your dream? <laughs> it was it was actually two dreams, but one of which, the one that I had just woken up from when, when Matthew called me, um, it ended with a group of people who there's five of us and we were levitating above San Francisco at sunrise. And the dream was all about humbling ourselves to the energies and intelligences of, of the earth and shaping ourselves and practicing these, these ancient practices that we had forgotten and were really just in, in kindergarten sort of, of learning. And, um, you know, Hogwarts kind, kind of Harry Potter kinds of stuff. And, um, but, you know, in, it was a dream and it was, it was exaggerated and elaborate in the sense that it felt larger than life. And we were actually able to communicate in these big ways with um, the forces of nature, just learning how to circular breathe and use our breath to raise our vibration and, and, and even actually physically hover above the planet. But, um, the dream to me was more about coming together in a new way to pierce into that, those parts of our culture, which are stagnant and are out of balance right now with the planet and pierce into those and get to the core of what makes us human and what our relationship is to our larger context, to the earth and to the 13.8 billion year cosmic adventure that we're on. So Skylar, um, it's very impressive that you had this dream. Many of us will have a dream and we wake up and we just jump out of bed and we just go about our work and we don't even think about it. But you recognize something in this dream that it, it gave you pause. What, tell us about that mechanism and about what, what we can do to pay attention to the great dreams we might that might be coming down and where they come from. Mm -hmm. Well, there's all kinds of ways to dream. One is just to go for a walk and, and look around and see what draws your attention. Um, for me, I dream in all sorts of ways, but one is when I'm sleeping and occasionally I'll have these dreams, which do feel larger than life. It's, it's, it's more real than us sitting here talking right now. And that's the way this dream was. And sometimes it, it follows with a synchronicity. Somebody else will mention something that immediately, you know, shakes me out of my sleep and into a moment of, wow, something, something's happening here. Something's, um, something's moving. Something's wanting to, um, me to participate with it. There's something that's intelligent 
that's, um, that's, that's working with me. And that's the way this dream was. And the way I sometimes experience the planet when I'm, when I'm listening, when I'm, when I'm attuned. You know, uh, I, and I, I'm thinking that as we often forget, we are part of the earth. You know, our, our religious symbols are all about transcendence and heaven up there and going up and everything. But, but what you all emphasize in the work that you're doing, the order of the sacred earth, is to remind us that we're here. We're, we're made of stardust. We are here on the planet where this, is, this planet has birthed us. And I'm reminded, and I tried to look this up. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was something that someone wrote about saying we are uh, galactic citizens living in this local habitat. Hmm. And I just love that. It's like, okay, we have this transcendence sort of consciousness, not sort of, but yes, we have that. Hmm. We're connected with a bigger consciousness, but we're also grounded right here on the planet. And I, I, I just wish that I, I, any of you, all three of you, comment on that. Well, you know, it's even more than that. We're not just on the planet. We are the planet. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're the planet talking. We're the planet mm-hmm. singing. We're the planet um, saying thank you. Or we're the planet destroying itself. And that's the moment we're at in this historical period, that we are, we are the species on the planet we, we only took it over about 100,000 years ago, and we're ready to destroy it. I mean, we, we are destroying it. So we're both a very exciting species and a very dangerous species. And we better um, get our act together real fast, or we will be evicted from this planet. The planet is going to go on, but it's losing a lot of its beauty, a lot of its diversity, a lot of its wonder, including, in fact, uh, the human species, which has so much potential, but it has been doing such a lousy job of steering it. In, in the direction of honoring the planet and making it viable and beautiful and healthy for future generations. Not only humans, but of whales and elephants and tigers and, and forests and all the beings that we're busy destroying because we're so damn narcissistic, as Pope Francis says, we're so involved in our own anthropocentric agendas that we're, we're, we're committing ecocide. So where does the order of the sacred earth come in then and and this the the one precept of it is a vow and where does that come in and how can this be helpful it gives context for individuals and for communities and movements who are already doing this great work um, there's power in, in numbers and there's power in all of our efforts coming together. And um, also to comment on your last question, I was just watching a, an old video of Starhawk talking about climate change. And she just summed it up and said, the reason we got here, all of this is happening because we don't live as close to the earth as we used to. And I had this image of like our, you know, our ancestors, not even that ancient, not that long ago, um, not consciously seeing their connection to the sacred earth because they were, they were like fish in water. They lived it. They breathed it. Um, and now we don't see our connection to the sacred earth because we've built up walls all around us that makes us think we're separate from it. And so what's interesting is though, even though we don't live as close to the earth, that doesn't change how integral it is in our lives. We just don't see it the same way that our ancestors used to. We're not 
we're not in, in an embodied way aware of how the earth gives life to us and feeds us and nourishes us. Well, I, I can I can think of one example of where the earth is really reminding us, mm-hmm. and this is happening. Let's see, we're we're sitting down in the late summer of 2018, mm-hmm. and right now there's a red tide happening in Florida. Mm-hmm. Major, major kill off of fish yeah. and mm-hmm. and dolphins and all sorts of uh, uh, sea creatures. And people, they can't, it can't be denied. I mean, it's part of their life. They see mm-hmm. this muck in their, in their waterways. So, mm-hmm. and, and others, fires in, in California and hurricanes in Hawaii and, you know, and record uh, uh, temperatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we, we are reminded <laughs> in many ways if we just pay attention I want to remind our listeners, I'm here with Father Matthew Fox, Skylar Wilson, and Jennifer Barrett-Listug. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Father Matthew Fox, Skylar Wilson, and Jennifer Barrett Listug, and we're talking about Order of the Sacred Earth, which is the title of the book, which they co-wrote, but it's also filled with many, many other voices. So it really, truly is an example of the collaboration that you're talking about. And Jennifer, you mentioned all these organizations and groups that are doing such great work. What is gathering them all together that's helpful, that can make us more effective in what we all want to accomplish? So I'd love for you to share with us the vision of the order of the sacred earth and taking that vow and why that's important and how that can help be the container to bring us together without being dogmatic or setting up a new religion or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So any comment that you can make on that? So we, when we created this vision together and wrote this book, we left it open. We call it a co-creative and um, an emergent movement, a self-organizing movement. So we didn't come up with all of these with this structure and this idea that we were going to see to, you know, into all these other groups and tell them to carry it on. We asked people to share their visions with us. And that's what the other essays in the book are about too. And the idea was we don't want people to be beholden to just some, you know, thought that we had about how this is going to work. We think that everyone has beautiful creative ideas and we want to collaborate with them. So that was a year ago, and we have learned a lot in the last year since we did a soft launch. We had a vow-taking ritual on um, the winter solstice last year, and little what we're calling OSE pods have sprouted all over the country. There's groups forming of people who are reading the book, creating a ritual, taking the vow for themselves, and then expressing in any way that they feel right for their community what the order looks like. And and then we are adding to that kind of some practical stuff too. We're um, 
we're creating kind of a hub on our website, and this is where we're using that sort of younger digital age, bringing that into the order. We have a page where people can connect with each other, learn about other pods, and share what they're doing to contribute to change making and creating a more sustainable world. And then another final part of that vision is that we do annually have a gathering where anyone who wants to can come together and connect, make connections with each other, um, share what their work is, collaborate, and hopefully take the vow. I want to talk about the vow mm-hmm. and the importance of vow. And there was someone, and I can't remember who contributed a quote from, uh, I think it's F.W. Murray, and it was about taking a vow and what what energy that brings to us. And I would love for you to share why a vow and why is it important and what can it help in our lives to move forward? How, what kind of help does it give us? Well, of course, um, Gandhi took a lot of vows in his life. And what vows do for us, such as a marriage vow, is it allows you to focus. Focus from a deep place because it is a commitment. And uh, to take a vow, you have to know uh, something about what you really care about. Uh, whether it's a marriage vow or a vow to save the earth. So it, it conjures up the best in us. And, um, and one woman said about this vow that uh, she and her husband created their own vows when they got married, and she puts them on her refrigerator door. And every now and then when there's a bumpiness in the marriage, she goes back to that vow, and it just centers you. And uh, one young woman said, uh, a 26-year-old, she said to me when she heard about this order, she said, my generation is so dispersed. We're so busy on social media. We're being taken all over the place. And what we need is a vow. She said, this order really fits my generation because we need a focus. And what better focus than the survival and health of the planet in a, in the sacred context? So that's that's one take on vows. And and what what you mentioned there in her marriage vows there were witnesses. And so it's, it's, that's what you're also asking. You're saying, make a ritual of this. And it might be helpful to have witnesses when you take this vow. What is the magic of that that helps us? Well, what I think is, is it's not only empowering to take a vow, but it's also um, supportive. It's, it's a way to ask for and receive su- res- support from, from the community. And I also believe from the earth herself and from whatever larger dance or larger intelligence that we're, we're a part of. And so asking for that through a vow, it's, it's focusing on what is my purpose within this larger, this larger dance. Going back to um, W.H. Murray, uh, and which uh, I think was something that Zahara Hieronymus uh, actually, part of her essay, and she, what she said about this that really helped me because to not feel so alone. And if we make the vow that we get help and assistance, mm-hmm. it it just streams in from just having that made that decision. There's invisible forces that are there to help us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what he says is the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. And he's talking about providence, universal energy, God, essence, helping drive 
whatever the source of that commitment was. And he's talking about an individual commitment, one person committing to something. For him, it was climbing up the Himalayan mountains. And so the idea is what happens if thousands, hundreds of thousands of people commit to this one, one commitment to love and defend the earth? What level of providence is going to move to, uh-huh. to help our efforts in ways that we're not aware of right now? And another word that some young scientists are using is synchronicity. Mm-hmm. That uh, the way I'd put it is that a vow kind of prepares you for synchronicity. Just what what has been said here that energies come together, and 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 then people come together, and you create community. Now at our solstice vow taking last uh, December, it was in a Buddhist center in Berkeley, and eighty people showed up for it. And there were uh, Buddhists and uh, indigenous people and Protestants and Catholics and Jews and at least one atheist who took the vow together. And um, that was just kind of a kickoff. But there were other vow-taking ceremonies in Portland, Oregon and Southern California and Illinois and Florida and so forth. So as Jen said, this is already beginning to gain some steam. Mm-hmm. So I think a vow prepares you for, for good connections and deep ones. And I think that's another definition of synchronicity. So mm-hmm. one, of, one of the phrases that repeats itself through the book uh, is spiritual warrior. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't often put those two words together. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'd love for you to help us understand what you mean by spiritual warrior. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't long after we started writing this book it it's been a few years i think three between three and four that it, we've gotten our act together um but the standing rock movement started and that when i was when i was watching that very closely just um, to remind our listeners standing rock was in north dakota right it was a protest for the dakota pipeline, access pipeline pipeline the right. oil pipeline right and many, many Native peoples and other peoples joined them, came mm-hmm. together for right. a protest. Exactly. And so they came together for a protest, and it wasn't just a protest of the pipeline. It was a protest of the way of life, um, the industrial, capitalistic way of life that would take the spirit out of a place and, and just make it a commodity. Say, we we don't really care what's gonna, what's gonna what's happening with this land. Um, or the water that that's on it, and we making profits is more important than that. And the people, like never before, people from all over the world flew in there, and it was a huge, um, not only a protest of what was happening, but but protesting not just the way of life that isn't working, but wanting something deeper, wanting wanting to be in touch with the sacred dimension of life and even even in the fiercest winter there were those that were standing for that Mm -hmm. that idea that that the earth the waters are living and the earth is living Mm -hmm. this is not to be a commodity right and and there's so much energy created from that and that's still going and i think a lot of people are still feeling that still coming together and that that's a movement that I think is close to any that we're looking at as a model for for how we can continue to bring that kind of transformational energy, that courage, um, the big heart that's necessary to to show up even amidst a long winter. 
So and even even if the pipeline did go through and everything, it's it's the energy has not been wasted. Mm-mm. It's still. Can you comment on that? That it's still vibrant and happy. Yeah, well, I, I think just as flowers go dormant in the winter, they pop back up in the spring. That's very much like cultural movements, and there's seasons to them. That was a, you know, that was a very powerful um, outward movement, and I, I think it, it's it's still in all of our hearts, and it's 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 in in a lot of the work that's happening on a daily basis all around the world. Just like you could say, like the Occupy movement started something, and mm-hmm. then it got transferred into something else or transformed or morphed into mm-hmm. like the indivisible movement or or other movements that learn from that and learn how to do it in another mm-hmm. way. Yeah, I want to add that uh, the spiritual warrior is so important because it's the person and the people who bring these very important cultural and political and social movements together with spiritual practice mm-hmm. because... One without the other doesn't work. That's what our subtitle is, A Vision of Love and Action. Action without love isn't lasting. And love without action is more self-serving. And, and we need more of that energy to, to be serving the world, too. And that's what the spiritual warrior is to me, someone who's integrated these mm-hmm. very important qualities. Mm-hmm. And it's about the healthy masculine. There's so many examples on the news today, you don't have to mention the names, of the unhealthy mask. And all these people who are ripping us off and lying and going in denial about climate change and treating others as objects and all the rest. But there's that masculine energy, which is for women as well as for men, of warriorhood, where it's not about um, killing other human beings or, or uh, destroying another nation or uh, a religious war, uh, just trying to kill someone else's god or goddess. No, the real warriorhood is about uh, looking within and finding your courage, as, as Skylar said, and, and your, your values, and to fight for them. Uh, and, um, you know, I mean, we, we like to honor our athletes, you know, because they're strong, because they're disciplined, and they work hard, and they try to win. And, but excellence is, is at the center of it. Well, we're all called to, be, uh, to struggle on behalf of the earth for our children, for our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren mm-hmm. yet, yet unborn. And uh, that takes strength. And the fact is that a lot of humans today have become comfort-oriented, because that's what capitalism teaches you to be, to be passive. And they've taken away the energy for... Um, for authentic warriorhood, which is standing up for, for truth and beauty and the, and the younger generation and, and beauty, the beauty of the earth, and therefore the health of the earth. So we're all called to be warriors. I'm here with Matthew Fox, Skylar Wilson, and Jennifer Barrett Listug, and they are the co-founders of Order of the Sacred Earth. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Father Matthew Fox, Skylar Wilson, and Jennifer Barrett-Listug, and they are the co-founders of Order of the Sacred Earth, which is a huge collaboration of many, many, many people. And I would love for each of you to tell us, what is your vision right now? You've been at this for a while now, and it, and it mm-hmm. keeps reforming, and and informing you. So mm-hmm. what what's your vision right now, if each of you could speak to what questions you're asking and what are you visioning right now? I can start. All Just right, to Jennifer, me. brave one. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's when I'm being honest, what's truly, truly present for me right now, and one of the visions that came out of this process in this book for me was building a community that would really be practicing kind of what we're preaching in this book and even be a home and a hub for something like the order and other communities. And Skylar and I have gotten really boots on the ground with this. We spent two months this summer literally trying to create a group of people and purchase a retreat center in Sebastopol where we live. And what I found is that as as much as um, inspiring vision and and loving and open and um, kind of progressive evolutionary ideas are coming out of this and energy and goodness, there's also this like balancing equal um, sort of repressive, challenging, dark energy that's meeting us. That's that's every step of the way. We've gotten close, like my birth, gotten close and lost it and gotten close and lost it. And really briefly want to share that in one of the phone calls I had with a, with a mortgage broker about this, he was telling me, getting really nitty gritty detail about how the mortgage process works and uh, how that um, home financing in this country, what he said is it actually, it's this, it's this whole own ecosystem of people. And, and then he kind of caught himself and, and heard what he said. And he was like, excuse me, <laughs> a little embarrassed, uh, ecosystem. <laughs> and I thought, no, that is brilliant. That is exactly what this feels like. Um, we are, have a vision for community and, and new life and new ways of relating. And what we're up against is this whole decades, hundreds of years old systems of ego systems. And what I thought about the ego, right, is we are all born into this life with our spirit, our soul, and our ego. And it is the nature of our ego to die. It has to die. That's, that's just what we, what we get in this life. And in many traditions, in Buddhism and Hinduism, what happens when the ego dies is the soul lives on. And so when he, when he said that, it all clicked for me, like these structures that we're in, this, these institutions that we are beholden to right now were created for a purpose, but they were also created to die. And what will live on after that, I hope, is the spirit of the earth, the soul of the earth, the spirit of our people. And, and um, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out in the coming years. So I, what I get from that, Jennifer, is that that idea, that understanding is helping you when you're like in the muck, when you're in the negotiations, mm-hmm. when you're really grappling with that, then it's like a moment that you expand out and then you get this kind of overview. Mm-hmm. That And that overview is what helps us to stay enthusiastic and mm-hmm. stay optimistic because 
pessimism is not an option here. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's and our commitment to being spiritual warriors is what helps us. That's the warriorhood. That's what helps us keep mm-hmm. moving in the face of all the darkness that's coming back toward us. As bright as we want to shine our lights, there's going to be that much shadow. And that's when it's really um, an important choice and, and where making that commitment really helps you and guides you in your mm-hmm. life. And having others walk that pilgrim path with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Skylar. Yeah. Mine, mine is, is very similar right, right now. Feeling into how am I being supported? How am I loving myself as the earth? And not just judging myself for what I'm doing that's out of balance as a human being right now. But how am I loving myself? How am I able to expand and fall into? That's why I started my, my essay in the book with the dreams is that it's a, sometimes there's a softer, um, less linear um, way to feel into what needs to happen, more feminine um, way. And that for me is what I'm exploring right now in my life. There's a lot of things that need to happen, boots on the ground, but it's not that kind of pull yourself up by your bootstrap kind of thing of like, you're nothing until you prove yourself. And so much of the story that we've heard all the time. Um, And I think that we are very much of value. There's a lot of paradoxes in life. We're very much of value and we're destroying the planet. How do you make sense of that? There's a fine line between being present as a helper and being part of the darkness that's just unconsciously pillaging and raping the earth right now. So, yeah. And I, 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 when you say paradox, uh, I'm reminded there's someone who in one of their essays really talked about this is a time when we must learn how to hold mm-hmm. paradox, mm-hmm. to hold this big vision that includes it all, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we can't reject it. And we can't go into that, Matthew, what you often talk about, and going back to your original book, Original Blessing, you were describing that we need to outgrow this dualism that we have been mm-hmm. present to all along, and we have to hold it in a bigger way. So I'd love for you to share whatever you'd like to share in your vision these days, Matthew. Well, I find more and more scientists who are acknowledging that science has its limits, that it can give us a lot of information, but it cannot by itself transform consciousness. And of course, this is where spirituality comes in. Jesus talked about metanoia, which means transforming consciousness. The Buddha, too, talks about becoming a light and so forth and becoming enlightened. Uh, This is what uh, healthy spirituality is about. And so um, uh, the religions themselves are are not doing that good a job, especially in the West. Uh, Religion could get so uh, preoccupied with itself. (laughs) And this is where spirituality breaks through. And... um, so the idea of recovering the sacredness of the earth is important both for scientists and for uh, uh, people of, of faith, whatever, and, and of, of trust. So what's the opposite of recovering the sacred earth is desecrating the earth. That's what we're doing right now. That's what's going on. We're desecrating it. As, as Skylar said, the earth has become uh, exploited. It's an object. It's not in relationship with us anymore. And so uh, to recover this sense of the sacredness of the earth 
is a new start for everybody. It means we'll be reinventing education and parenting and religion and politics and economics. And obviously we have our, our work cut out for us. But that's the excitement of this. I mean, young people want to be inspired. They want their idealism to 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 be given a direction and to light the fire. And so it's a moment, I think, in, in human uh, evolutionary consciousness. Can we move to this next step? Which in many ways is an ancient step because a lot of the indigenous people presume everything around us was was sacred. And now we have new facts about it. You know, it's taken us 13.8 billion years to get here and so forth. That here is two trillion galaxies. We never knew that till two years ago. And and within each galaxy is hundreds of billions of stars. And and this earth is such a tiny, tiny speck uh, in this universe. And yet it's our home. It's a very special speck. Where else are you going to find a giraffe or an elephant or a human uh, except here? And so the odds are, are amazing here for us to, um, to kick, kick, kickstart something. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking you're, you're using the sacredness of the earth. Now, that's a big phrase, uh, and, and that's a big paradigm shift, let's say. Not, not from the way it used to be, but from where we've been, where we are right now, that earth is a commodity. Mm-hmm. And, and so sacredness of the earth. So help us to, to feel that in our hearts in, in some way that we can identify well, with. Well, just to, to uh, listen to your breath, and this is... Practice is taught around the world in so many traditions about don't take breath for granted. Every breath is a sacred gift of the earth. You know, uh, 10 miles from where we're sitting up in the air is where the oxygen ends. You can't take a breath up there after 10 miles. 10 miles, you know, that's about a three-hour walk or something. And you're out of here. So after that, you need a spacesuit or something to breathe. And that's kind of basic, isn't it? Or having a new baby and experiencing the baby's first breath. Or being with people who are dying and experience their last breath. Wow, breath is holy, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. sacred. It's bigger than us. We didn't make it up. We didn't invent the lungs and, and fine-tune the oxygen that it would work so wonderfully on our behalf. And you can say this of breath. You can also say it of food. You know, you can say it of vision, you know, of, of being able to see, of being able to hear, being able to make music. All this is sacred, saying nothing of all the other animals that are continually yearning to display their beauty in our presence and to relate to us. So Earth is just one ecstatic moment after another. When did we ever lose this? When did we take it for granted? Well, well, here we are. Here we are. I want to thank you for reminding us of the sacredness of Earth and for us really envisioning this order of the sacred earth. And I want to thank you all for being on New Dimensions. Thank you. Thank for you. Having us. Thank you, Justine. Thank you. I've been speaking with Father Matthew Fox and Skylar Wilson and Jennifer Barrett Listug, and they are the co-founders of Order of the Sacred Earth, along with many, many other collaborators, and they're the co-authors of Order of the Sacred Earth, an intergenerational vision of love and action, and to know what you can do to participate. Go to the website, lots of things there for you to act in and be part of. And the website is orderofthesacredearth.org, O-R-G. 
or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3656. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions, whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.